Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Uh, thank you, Marie, for that wonderful introduction, and thank you so much, our podcast listeners, for tuning in. Although it's not really tuning in, is it, Rick? It's more like punching in. Yeah, punching in. Keying in, I don't know. Uh, but uh, Rick, what a fantastic series that, that you're bringing us into in Kingdom Secrets. Um, you know, Rick, we, we usually uh, use the podcast to mention parts of the message uh, that kind of stir further questions, but there's no time or maybe other parts of the message that you just didn't have time. I mean, there's only 30 minutes in a message, right? So, um, but today I, I wanted to know if you could shift the focus just a bit differently because I know that you love to teach and speak on leadership. Um, as, as I think about this past week's message, there was like a convergence of thoughts that occurred to me. Um, and the first is about really self-leadership as it pertains to our followership of Jesus as his disciples. Because, I mean, the whole, by the way, if you haven't listened to the message, you've got to listen to it. It's fantastic. Uh, about the parable of the tower and the power of the parable of um, the king going to war the king going to war and and so as you th- there's a lot of self-consideration in there so Rick what what is self-leadership and why is it so important in the life of a disciple yeah when I think of self-leadership I always think of of John Maxwell's great line when he says the the most difficult person you will ever lead is yourself. Mm, mm-hmm. And that is so true. Uh, leading others it, it can can be much, much easier uh, than leading yourself because you have to live with yourself 24-7. Right. And, but, but why is leadership, self-leadership so important? Sean, you cannot lead others well if you cannot first lead yourself well. Yeah. And, I mean, you just think about it. leader Leadership has nothing to do with title, nothing to do with your position, uh, leadership is influence. Uh-huh. That's all it is. Influence, nothing more, nothing less. So you think about, for example, uh, if let's say I'm I'm a I'm a leader, and I tell you, Sean, you know you're following me, and I say, okay, Sean, I want you to I want you to be more self-disciplined. Mm-hmm. But if you look at me, and I'm not self-disciplined, <laughs> you're going to get your definition of self-discipline not from Webster's dictionary, right? but from your leader. Uh, if, if I say, you know, I feel like uh, everybody needs to be prompt to our meetings. And I walk in as the leader 30 minutes late. Yeah. Well, what is that? I'm teaching you, oh, Rick's definition of prompt is come in 30 minutes late, no big deal. Yeah. So self-leadership uh, is critical if you want to lead other people because they're they're gaining and developing their definition of leadership and every aspect of your leadership life, not by what you say, mm-hmm. but by what they see. Okay, so what if someone says, you know, I don't want that degree of accountability. I don't want that degree of influence. I just want to be me. I just got to be me. What do you what do you say to something like that? Oh yeah, so many people say, "Yeah, I don't want to be a leader. I yeah. don't want to be the resp- I don't want to have the responsibility yeah. of being a leader." 
And that's where they miss it. They think leadership has to do with a title Mm -hmm. or a nameplate on the door. And that's leadership is influence. So if you are a mother and you have small children, Mm -hmm. guess what? You're a leader. Yeah. You're a leader. You don't, you may not have a nameplate that says leader, but (laughs) what? Because you're influencing those children. Yeah. If you're a next door neighbor, you're a leader. You are influencing your next door neighbor by the way you take care of your yard and the way you maintain your property and by the if you're a kind neighbor and a good neighbor. Yeah. So leadership is influence and once people catch that and realize it's not just a bumper sticker slogan, but it is absolutely true, then they think, oh, the real question is not am I a leader? The real question is, what kind of leader am I? Am I a good leader or a bad leader? Do you think this is why Jesus put put in the parables just the strength of what this is, uh, of the fact that uh, I, I really do have to count the cost? Uh, if, if I'm going to, and he just brought out those two pictures of no one would ever try to build a tower not having enough money. No one would ever, if they saw an opposing force coming to them, and said, man, all I got is two spears to rub together. I can't do this. No one would ever try to, to wage war or build a tower. And so uh, I, I actually, when, you know, when I was looking at the parables, I thought, well, I, I am the guy who, <laughs> who failed. I, I can't build the tower. I'm the, I'm the one that I'm not only going to broker for terms of peace. I'm surrendering. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and, and, but that in itself is, is, a, is a case of self-leadership, of knowing that you've you got to realize what you can't do. Absolutely. What you can do. Um, so it, it's, it's not right then um, for people to say that they're, well, I don't want to be influential. I don't want to be um, accountable. Um, so why does God then use flawed, inconsistent people to be what appears to me to be conspicuous, we're, we're meant to be conspicuously influential. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the simple answer to your question is that's the only kind of people he has to work with. Flawed. <laughs> um, wouldn't it be great if he yeah. was working with perfect leaders? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, there was one perfect leader who did live on planet Earth and they killed him. Yeah. So, uh, you know. <laughs> Being, even being a perfect leader doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to be a leader. Yeah. Um, no. It, the the only kind of leaders God has to work with these days are flawed leaders. Yeah. So, which in many ways is good news for us. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have uh, mastered the art of leadership so that you can finally lead. You can actually do uh, on the on the job training, you might say, mm-hmm. in developing. Lead. You know, I've been a leader nearly all my life, and man, I'm still on the job training. I'm mm-hmm. still learning, growing. Uh, I've well, I learned a lot this last year <laughs> uh, during the pandemic about leadership that uh, pushed me in areas that challenged me in areas of my leadership that I've never been challenged before. Yeah. But uh, I tell you what, because of it. I'm a better leader than, uh, than I was last year this yeah. time. And, but isn't that how leadership should be? We, it's, a, it's a continual growing process. Yeah, yeah. I, what I find amazing in that is just, just really just the, the profound truth of what you just said in, in terms of that. Well, that's, that's all we have. 
And really, that's all God needs. I mean, uh, it would be very strange if, you know, God put an orange hat on us, on every person that became born again, and suddenly we were, were different. Uh, I think that in some ways, the fact that we are still flawed, that we still make mistakes, it, it helps other people. I mean, I know that, that it's only disciples that, that lead other people to Christ so that they can become disciples. And I know that if, if I can't identify with them, then why should I listen to them? They're weird. They're aliens. Um, so, but I do think that, that it is, it's a beautiful thing when, when Jesus told us in John, 5, John 15, when he said, remain in me and I'll remain in you and, and then you'll be fruitful and, and, and it can be done, right? Amen. Well Amen. said. Well said. Um, so um, I'm thinking about, you, you know, businesses are fond of pointing out uh, the importance of self-leadership. What is the criticality of it? Well, business, the, the business world learned this years ago that business growth will not happen unless leaders are growing. Mm. Uh, unless when leaders get better, everybody benefits. Uh-huh. And, and that's why you, you, people wonder, why do businesses spend millions and millions of dollars on leadership development, uh, leadership growth, leadership uh, seminars and sending their people to leadership conferences. Why do they invest that much money in leadership development? Because they know it pays. In the end, they realize that bad leaders are going to bottleneck the development and the progress of their business yeah. or or any organization. Don't just think you know business for profit, but nonprofit organizations, uh, any organization, the church, any organization, bad leadership will just stifle growth. It'll paralyze growth because think of it this way, Sean: if a leader is not personally expanding, then the organization cannot expand. Right. The organization's growth and expansion is going to be limited and it's going to be in sync with the, the expansion and development of the key leader or yeah. leaders. You know, one of the things that you love to do is is you do do that. And uh, you, you love to read leadership books. I'm sitting in your office right now and I can turn my back and see all of these books on leadership. Um, and, uh, uh, and I have been influenced by that so I'm gonna ask you a question about that too but but something occurred to me um, one of the things that you love to do is you have promoted the Global Leadership Summit um, and what they have done is they their 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 idea is uh, that, that the church can learn something from business from the business world and business leaders can learn something from the church um, so how, how can the church be a good source for fostering leadership let's say someone is listening and they're not they're, they're not a churchgoer they may not even be a christian but but they might want to come to church for this reason what, what, what would that be how, how can we benefit them i think there is a misnomer with unchurched people they think that christianity and the bible has absolutely nothing to do with real life and that mm. it would have it would it would say nothing to the area of leadership development. Mm-hmm. Now, what is ironic, the greatest biblical principles ever found are in Scripture. Yeah. And if a, and if a leader, well, for example, take Proverbs. You know, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. They'll, 
And many leaders do this. They'll, they read one chapter a day mm-hmm. or one chapter a week uh, for one month. And that way, you know, you get through, if you read it one chapter a day. Why do leaders do that? Pack full of great leadership principles yeah. that are transferable. Uh, they're not isolated to church leadership. The principles I learned from Scripture about leadership, they help me uh, in leadership, leadership in my home, leadership on a job, in, in a, uh, any organization, a service organization, in business. Um, and I think there's just this misnomer that there's an irrelevancy, just an irrelevancy about the Bible. It really doesn't connect with the real world and mm-hmm. the business world. And it's not true. Yeah, yeah. Um, to you, what what are the most important principles of self leadership, and and how would they tie in in terms of counting the cost as a disciple? I would say first of all uh, to be self aware. You you will not be good at self leadership if you are not self aware. And when I when I use that term, I mean that you you need to be aware that well, for example, that you have blind spots mm-hmm. and. Well, why is that important to be self-aware that you have blind spots? Because some leaders don't think they have blind spots. What is a blind spot? It means you can't see something. Right, yeah. A blind spot is a blind spot. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're not aware that there are areas in your leadership that aren't where they need to be, if if you think, well, there's no place that I still need to grow or develop or where I'm doing things really in a non-productive way. If I'm not aware of that, I'll never grow. Mm. And so if I'm going to develop in my self-leadership, it starts by being self-aware. Which And, and then the second one that I would say, the quality is humility. Mm. And that means you you got to be aware there's still room to grow. Yeah. There's still room to, uh, for improvement. Um, leaders need in self-aware and self-leadership they need to, to practice integrity. Uh, they need to be the same person on the inside as they are on the outside. Yeah. Uh, I want to be the same person at work, at home, um, you know, on, the, on the Little League field, wherever I'm at. I want to be the same person. Uh, that, I think, is a part of self-leadership. One thing that, that has changed in my self-leadership over the years, Sean, is... Here's the way I say it. I want to be growth-oriented, not goal-oriented. Hmm. When I was a young leader, I was goal-oriented. Nothing wrong with setting goals, but I think there, it's a matter of, of which should come first. I, I, my challenge is for leaders to be growth-oriented. Now, if you're saying, okay, this year I want to grow as a leader. Well, there's going to be some goals that you perhaps set to get to that growth area yeah but the, the goals are secondary the primary thing is, is focus on growth otherwise you'll get into the year and you'll have 10 goals and you can put a check box you know check by beside each one of them and you say okay wow I, I did I reached 10 goals well great but did you grow mm. so be growth oriented another huge uh, factor in self-leadership Sean is to be a self-feeder um, leaders need to get to a point, they need to cross that line where they are a self-feeder. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody, Sean, telling me that I need to read two or three books a month. I tell myself that. You don't come in and, and check my reading list to make sure I'm 
you know, up on my reading, that I'm reading leadership books, that I'm reading other kind of kind of books. Yeah. Um, you don't call me up and say, "Hey, Rick, you know, are you having a quiet time? Are you studying your Bible? Are you praying?" I'm a. I have to be a self feeder. <laughs> yeah. And if if I need somebody um, to be checking up on me, uh, that's really a sign of immaturity. That's what Mom did when I was eight years old. <laughs> but you know, if you're going to be a self-leader yeah. and develop self-leadership skills, be a self-feeder. And then let me throw one more in. One more, if you don't okay. mind. No, no, please. Master your trade. Master your trade. Uh-huh. If you're going to be a, 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 focused in on self-leadership, developing, intentionally developing yourself, make it your 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 passion to master your trade. Hmm. For example... You know, my, my trade, Sean, is teaching the Bible. That's yeah. what I do. I teach the Bible. And I've done it for professionally, you might say. Uh, did it for, I've done it for a living as a pastor for 44 years. Yeah. Now, when, when I first got into the ministry, I taught the Bible, but I was not a master of my trade. There were parts of the Bible I did not feel comfortable teaching. Mm. I had never taught it. Didn't really know the background. Didn't know if I could do it adequately. Mm-hmm. But over the years, it's taken a 44 years. Yeah. But I feel like at this point, I, I am a master of my trade. I can, I can go anywhere in the Bible and teach any section of, of Scripture and do it with the confidence that I know what I'm doing and I know what the text is saying and I know how to apply it. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? No. No, you can master your trade, but if I'm teaching any passage of Scripture, I feel comfortable doing it, but I can always get better at doing it. Yeah. So mastering doesn't mean perfection. It means that you know how. Like a mechanic, a master mechanic means he can work on any engine, yeah. in any part of that engine. Does that mean he's perfect? No, mm. no. But he feels confident that he can get into that engine and fix the, the automobile. Right. So right. those are the, the uh, important principles that I see about self-leadership. Oh, fantastic. You, you, I, and I think that, you know, anecdotally speaking, I think that what I've learned from you is, is uh, this, this interesting aspect of, of uh, there, are, there are parts added as the longer you stay in the business, so to speak. So, like, for instance, when I first came to Grace, I, I thought, well, I just need to be a, a great Bible teacher for students. I need to lead students and minister to students. And uh, when, when, when I got here, you said, well, yes, we want you to do that, and we want you to be as excellent as possible, but that's only part of your job. The other part of your job is just as important. It's not more important. It's just just as important. Um, but even then, sometimes it was it became even more important, um, and that is to become a leader of leaders. Um, but if I don't get the first part right, uh, if I don't master the, the essential uh, technique, then I can't do the other. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and you have to think in, in self leadership, it cascades. When mm. you first came on, great example, you were a student pastor, and your primary role was to teach students. Yeah, and then, but. There was only so much that you could do at that level. You could only influence so many students. Mm-hmm. You were limited with time and energy. Yeah. So the next step was to lead leaders who would lead students. 
Yeah. Well, now suddenly you've expanded because now if you can if you can lead uh, ten leaders and those ten leaders can influence ten students, all of a sudden you have magnified your ministry. Yeah. But it doesn't stop there, Sean. Then the next level is you want to be able to lead leaders who are leading leaders who are influencing students. Yeah. And on and on and on it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I cannot remember the last time I led volunteers. <laughs> I, I cannot I can't even remember the last time. <laughs> see, I lead leaders. Yeah. The pastoral staff who lead leaders. Yeah their ministry assistants who lead volunteer leaders mm-hmm. who lead people. Yeah. It just continues to cascade. Yeah. And that's that's one thing I love about leadership is there's always the next level of leading leaders who lead leaders who lead leaders who lead leaders and eventually they influence people. Now you just pulled back the cover of of grace that's that's very distinctively different than the type of church that, that I grew up with, probably the way you grew up with, uh, and maybe the way that, that some of our listeners grew up with, because that's that's not how it was done. The pastor did everything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah, and, and that's why the average size of a church in America for many years has been about seventy five people. <laughs> why? Because that's about all one pastor can pastor if he's going to shepherd people yeah. you can you know full-time job you can maybe a hundred if you're really good at it yeah but uh, again see it bottlenecks bottlenecks growth and expansion so if, if you're going to grow the kingdom uh, then you have to be willing to um, to sacrifice yeah something and what's ironic sean is and you know this in seminary, so much of the training we received was on on pastoring people. Yeah. Here how do you pastor people? And they didn't teach us how to lead leaders right. to pastor people. And we, we kind of missed the boat. So we've had to learn the hard way. But over the years, if you know, I've had people who came have come on staff here as pastors and their their heart was to pastor people. Yeah. Well they didn't make it long here. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. They just need to go find 75 people. Right. <laughs> um, but if you're going to be a part of an expanding, growing, impactful church yeah. uh, like ours with the goal of, of reaching 10% of our community for Christ, yeah. I cannot do that. I cannot lead that many people. Yeah. I cannot do it. Yeah. But if I lead leaders who lead leaders who lead leaders, on and on and on, then you can do it. Rick, I appreciate some of the, the the sacrifices that you've had to make. You had to, you yourself had to have an entirely different mentality, and you had to retool everything. Uh, because I'm thinking of a of a place that's no longer in business, Borders Bookstore, and uh, uh, Borders went away. I, I I think that they were actually starting to go away even before Amazon.com came around, uh, and uh, and that happened. Um, because there, there was that, that, that watershed movement uh, or, or change that happened across the economy that uh, these mom-and-pop bookstores or these chains that were set like Borders was. I mean, it was great, you know, growing up in the, what was it, the 90s? Yeah. Or 80s, 90s, going to a Borders bookstore. But everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed. And, and um, you know, you, you were able to help our church to grow and to move forward. Um, 
You know, staying on some of these, these business terms, there, there is one that, that kind of catches my uh, attention. Um, and it's this term ROI, the three letters, ROI, which means a return on investment, which is the measurement of, of net income and investment. Uh, for instance, was it, or, or, or in forecasting, will it be a profitable use of time and resources for a particular venture? Um, as, as we think about the ROI for disciples, what should we be looking for in ourselves? Um, and this is harder, but what about from Jesus' perspective? Is, is he interested uh, in all, at all in his ROI in our lives and therefore the mission of his church? Absolutely. Mm. And some people miss this about Jesus. He is very interested in return on investment. Mm. In fact, in our Kingdom Secret series, we're going to eventually come upon the parable of the talents. Ooh. So you think, what's the parable of the talents? You know, this guy, you know, he gives this guy five talents, this guy three, and this guy one. Goes away, and when he comes back, he he rewards the two fellows that are giving him a return on investment. Yeah. You know, hey, I gave you five, you made five more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, who's the bad guy in that story? It's the guy who has no ROI. Uh, you know, he buried his talent. Jesus gave him one. He gave him one back. And, uh, and Jesus said, yeah, the master was not happy at all. As a matter of fact, instead of commendation, he would receive condemnation. Yeah. Because Jesus expects a return on investment. Yeah. He gives every one of us breath, energy, gifts, abilities, talents, whatever they may be, yeah. different levels, different kinds. But, Sean, whatever God has invested in you, he expects compound interest. Ooh. Compound interest. Yeah. He doesn't want, if he, if he gives you one gift, he doesn't want one gift back. He wants to see what that gift that you invested in the lives of others and the fruit that comes back. Jesus is very much into return on investment. My, my goodness. How about for his church? I mean, do you think he's expecting the, the net um, uh, investment of all his church? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, think about this. He, he gives the church the, the scripture. Mm-hmm. All right? So he has invested the scripture to us. What does he expect? How about this? How about growth? How about maturity? Yeah. He wants us to be people of the word. We've in, he's invested the word to us, and so we're going we're gonna to study the word and apply the word, and what are we going to give back to him? Well, growth, maturity, a fruit. Yeah. He expects, you know, by their fruit you will know them, Jesus Ooh. says, of, of disciples. Uh, he, wants to, he wants to see biblical success. I use that term uh-huh. because the secular world has different definitions of success, yeah. usually measured in money. <laughs> but but their scripture is very clear that God wants wants our marriages to be successful. Yes, and our families successful. And uh, if you, if we're in business, He wants us to have successful, God honoring businesses. Mm. And and one other shot, I think we would err if we didn't say eternal rewards. Ooh, talk about a return on investment. Um, he he's saying, listen. I've given I've given you these gifts, and um, if you will serve me well as my child when you get to heaven, 
we'll be handing out eternal rewards. Mm. Now, I know it's not politically correct, but uh, he is not going to be handing out participation trophies. What? No. No. Not a, and, and we don't all, all get the same shape and size little trophy. No, he, he talks about rewards will be handed out based upon merit. Yeah. And uh, for the guy who came back with five talents and doubled it, man, he's going to get... He's going to get rewarded well. So you might think of it in heaven, there's going to be blue ribbons and red ribbons and white ribbons. Yeah. And uh, I'm probably not up for a blue, but I'm shooting for a red, (laughs) Sean. But I don't want a participation trophy. Right. I I want Jesus, when I walk into heaven, I don't want him to say, well, glad you made it. Yeah. Yeah. You barely squeaked in, but good luck. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with with what I have entrusted to you. You have now returned on investment to me. So this this may tie in, because this is the last question I have for you. Um, This may tie into what you just said, because you you said something kind of provocative. And maybe you said it as, as kind of a joke, but, you know, kind of not really. Uh, you, you said this statement, what if grace were to say, you know what, if you're not going to be totally committed, please move on. We need your seat. <laughs> so did you, did you care to comment on what you mean by that? Well, I did sort of say that tongue in cheek, but in a reality, in reality, that's what Jesus was saying mm. in the parable of the, of the tower and the parable of the king going to war. He's saying, listen, you got to count the cost. Yeah. And the preface to those parables is where Jesus turned to this large crowd of thousands of people and says, uh, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to hate your mother and father, brother, sister. Matter of fact, you have to hate your own life. You have to take up your cross and follow me. Now, those are strong words. You talk about thinning the crowd. Yeah. And so, you know, what I did tongue-in-cheek was what Jesus did rather clearly um, of saying, listen, I'm not interested in a crowd. No. I'm interested in disciples. And that's why the Great Commission doesn't say, go make a great crowd. Yeah. Uh, go, he said, go make disciples. Yeah. And so Jesus knows he can do a lot more with a few committed than just a large group of half-hearted, watered-down, Sunday morning-only Christians. Yeah, yeah. Rick, I really appreciate this. It's it really is a a sober reminder uh, of the things that are the most important, and the most important things really are. We have to think about them soberly, uh, with with great awakeness, alertness, and understanding what the costs are. And um, um, I, I think that that we we just need to be reminded of that in in a culture that likes to think, nah, you can just kind of skate by. And uh, you're saying, hmm, you can't do that. Well, see, we don't don't figure these things out on our own. They're secrets. And that's why these are kingdom secrets that Jesus is revealing to us. We couldn't figure this out on our own. And he said, I'm going to reveal this to you, and I'm going to use, I'm going to use, I'm going to use parables to reveal the secrets of the kingdom. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Well, Rick, what else is going on here, Grace? Speaking of Kingdom Secrets, uh, the next installment this Sunday, uh, Barry Anderson is going to be delivering a message, uh, one of our pastors here. Grace, the title is, Are You Willing to Change? Mm. Are you willing to change? And most people don't like to change. You know, Uh the only person who likes to change is a wet baby. (laughs) 
And, but, but we're going to learn that in the kingdom of God, another one of those kingdom, kingdom secrets is if you're going to be in the kingdom, it requires transformation and change. Fantastic. All right, Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at rosalgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to rosalgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.